Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your children, and your partner. We are going to give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. This is Felicia Allen. I'm a social media marketer, writer, and mom to three boys, ages five, three, and two. And I'm Terilyn Griffin, an English professor turned stay-at-home mom to four kids, ages 11, 9, 5, and 3. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you, our awesome listeners. Let's find the magic together. Hey, everybody. Today, I have a face palm. And that is, as you guys know, we have moved and we're living even closer to the mountains than we were before, before it was like a three block walk. And now it's like our backyard, which is awesome. So I've been trying to spend a ton of time with my kids, making sure that every day we get out into the wild a little bit. And I had a half an hour, a half an hour yesterday. And I said to my boys, I'm like, hey, let's have some mountain time just with the boys because the girls were working on... It's part of their school, and I often take the girls on long hikes because they're mm-hmm. just bigger and they can go further, mm-hmm. so they can come on, like, our adult hikes a lot. But the boys, because they're smaller, I usually don't take them on the long hikes, so I was, you know, making it special, like, we're going to have just boy, just me and you boys in the wild, but I only had a half an hour because I had to be back for something. So, like, for an appointment. So, um, <laughs> so we go out. It's, it's going pretty well, but it ended up taking longer to get to the place than we were trying to. <laughs> anyway, guys, it was a nightmare. <laughs> it was, like, full-blown. They're both, like, crying at some point. We're trying to get back up this hill, and there was, like, a ton of spider webs this time of year, <laughs> which my, my six-year-old doesn't care about spider webs. But my three-year-old was very concerned about the spider web. So he's, like, on my back as we're, like, climbing up this, like, pretty steep hill. Oh, my God. And, like, I mean, you know, like, it's steep enough. I'm on my hands and feet. You know what I mean? Like, totally. using all four. Yeah. He's on my back, which I don't care. Like, I'm all I'm, I'm all about, like, it makes me feel like a mountain woman. I love it. But, like, at one point I really was, like, this is not the bonding time <laughs> I was expecting. Like, crying about spider webs. Oh. And just the timeline really didn't work for us. I, I mean... I love the idea of just getting out for half an hour, but I think we really just need an hour. I think it was the moral of the story for me because as soon as they can feel the, okay, we got to get back now, as soon that. as that vibe goes out from me, yeah. everybody just melts down. Yeah. So I, I think in the future, I just need to like, we have a whole hour, maybe set a timer for 45 minutes or something. So we have plenty of time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think that's what I learned from the face palm. But really, like I came back and the girls were like, how was your wild mountain time with the boys? <laughs> And I was like, yeah. Oh, fun. Yeah. And luckily, the boys, though, was cute. Because when Jack got home from work that day, they told the story that they loved the mountain time. And we totally. saw all these cool spiders. Huge. <laughs> we discovered, guys, these, like, huge, giant spiders. I've never even seen them before. They go up up the creek. And we there was literally a web six feet by six feet with maybe seven big, like, two-inch spiders. Sick. Anyway, so they're telling the story, like, it was so cool, and then we were climbing up this big hill. So I'm glad that they left with a positive experience. Yes. But I, in the moment, was like, this is not what wild time is for me. You know, usually it's also rejuvenating for me. Yes. But yeah, the facepalm was, man, not, sometimes it just doesn't go well, and that's okay, too, but. I feel like that is, like, two things that I always think about with parenting. One is, like. Take whatever I want to do and tack an hour on each side. (laughs) Getting in the car, for example. Yes. Seriously. Just kidding. Maybe add 10 minutes on each side, though, just for for that process. For real. For real. That's not a joke. And then also the – but I do think that kids, like, any effort we make, we think we're like, that was horrible or that was enough time or that wasn't extravagant enough. And they're just like, I was with my mom, and they just love it. Yeah. So you can take that. Yeah. So the takeaway was (laughs) – yeah, those are good takeaways. <laughs> and usually I love mountain time, but yeah, it was. Oh, I've totally been there. And then you're like trying to get everyone out and yeah. we got to go and it's. Oh. At one point they were both yelling so loud. I was afraid <laughs> our neighbors were going to like think we were hurt and like our next door neighbors are kind of older. I didn't yeah. want them to have to come down that steep ravine. And, like what right. if they got hurt? Right. Like I went, I was like, we're going to make, we're going to like <sighs> cause our neighbors to get injured because you guys are. So like crying sound so like an emergency. <laughs> but it's just because we oh, saw a spider web. You know, oh my gosh, anyway. I would probably have been screaming that loud if I saw <laughs> a six foot web with eight two inch spiders. It was crazy. Oh. I need to identify what kind they are. Yeah, because they looked 
never mind. I was gonna I about to say they looked harmless, but I have no idea. <laughs> so I should probably not make blanket <laughs> statements about spider species. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. All right. I also have a face palm, and that is that with each child, I get less and less prepared for the new baby to come later into the time when they're starting. It's going to be them coming. I just, I'm sure this is a common phenomenon. You're less mm-hmm. maybe anxious or stressed, and you kind of know what babies need, which is like not really anything. Just milk. <laughs> milk and, and blanket. Maybe a diaper. And so, and you have less time because you have totally. other children. Right? Yeah, I'm like, oh, there's a little pack and play in the corner. That's great, but it's starting to get to that time where I'm starting to. It's more the nesting feeling of not necessarily things for the baby, but things of like, I want to clean that out or, like, you know, that feeling. I'm just yeah. like nesting oh, at yeah. the end, it's and strong. I'm like, oh boy, we're coming up hot on. I need to be. But then at the end, you have less uh-huh. energy and you're more tired. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Your body's trying to go into, like, conserve for the birth uh-huh. energy mode. Anyway, so my face palm is just a general. I have not really anything prepared, and the weeks are going by very quickly. <laughs> That's my face palm. That's all. That's yeah. all. That actually makes me feel better about myself because, guys, Felicia is a very, like, organized person, and her, her house is oh. really organized. So that actually just makes me feel good that you feel that. Because for me, with all my babies, you guys know me. That's not my strength. In fact, it's like my probably biggest character character flaw. Oh, man. But with every baby I've ever had, well, except for Lydia, actually. My first, I felt very ready. I mean, every swaddle's washed and rolled in the basket. But with all my other babies, it's a very strong nesting feeling. Mm -hmm. So, like, you're nesting. I'm preparing my house. Mm -hmm. And then with every baby I got to the end, yeah, you're right. You're like, energy goes down. And it was... On all my babies, it was like, well, now I'm too close. I don't I want to start cleaning out a closet. Because what if I have the baby and I need to take a nap? I know. You know exactly. Like weird, so, like, I can't start now. I know. <laughs> so, it's like this weird conflicting of a strong nesting feeling combined with, but I'm tired and I don't want to start a huge organization. Totally. It's a totally. So, I'm it just is. glad that you kind of feel that too. And being in a rental, it's like more kind of like irritating because you can't get everything how you want it. It's all kind of squished. Yeah. So that's my, if you guys have any really tips that you love for anything like that, send them my way. I'm like the person who's like, oh, I'm in labor. What am I bringing to the hospital? I don't even pack a bag. That's not like me. Maybe I'm different with. I did have a bag. (laughs) I'm like, what do you bring? You don't even pack a bag? What? When I'm in labor. just toss it in. Yeah. What about the outfit they come home in? I don't care. Guys, I have my face right now. You can't see it, but I don't understand this. <laughs> I'm like, get what? They come home in that onesie that they give in the hospital. I don't know. <laughs> Your mom would not like that. Don't listen to this, Jeannie. <laughs> Where's the bow? <laughs> know, seriously. seriously. Oh, hey, guys. Hilarious. I never knew this, Felicia, about I you. I know. It's, I totally support it. <laughs> you do you. I love it. That's awesome. So funny. It's fantastic. Okay, well, now I'm curious, guys. Does everybody, like, who who, who packs, packs the bag? bag ahead of time and who doesn't pack the bag ahead of time? I got to know. Yes. We'll put a question because yeah. we'll put a question on Instagram or something. Cause... I think mine was packed maybe, like, three weeks before. Yeah. And I just sat there. Yeah. With, like, waiting on my stuff. <laughs> I do make sure. You got to have the charger for the phone. That's crucial. Yeah. You must have a charger. And All right. for me, I have to have changes of outfits that I liked. Yeah. Well, I d- yeah, I bring an outfit for myself, but I usually just grab it. He's <laughs> dressing me up. I'm, and I'm actually quite a procrastinator, so this yeah. is like surprising me. Our roles like, are flipped. Roles. <laughs> I don't know what to do with myself here. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, usually I'm the one who's, like, throwing stuff together. I'm mean, actually up to, like, parks with, like, food but no silverware. We're just eating with our fingers. So this is a total role reversal it's here really we have happening. Oh, I love it. Okay, so today, guys, we have gotten some really good listener questions over the past few months. Um, and we've been wanting to talk about, and we're going to do it a little differently today. Usually we have very specific questions that come in, and we – um, plan out and kind of dive into the questions. But this time we had a couple question questions from listeners that were, had a few parts to them and they were more conversational. So we just wanted to answer all the parts. There's so many good things. Yeah. Just like as though you're calling in and we're just yes. giving you yes. quick answers. Yes. 
So we are going to start with um, some a multi-part question from Mary. And she says, um, she left this in a review, which thank you. Those help us so much. And one part of her review, she says that you inspired me and helped me decide to learn to play the piano in the next five years after your episode on growth mindset, which is, I just wanted to give a round of applause to Mary yes, for her piano. That's awesome. I love it. Piano goal. I love that. So her first question is, um, you both talk a lot about your morning routines, but do either of you have a bedtime routine that you've found to be helpful for promoting sleep and letting go of the day? I struggle badly with sleep and I'm looking for a good routine to implement. Um, so for me with the bedtime routine, I also have had times in my life when really one time specifically where <clears throat> my hormones and my thyroid is off and I really had a hard time sleeping so empathizing because it is the worst feeling I almost would get PTSD before going to bed of like yeah I want to go to bed because I'm so tired but I'm not even going to be able to sleep it is a horrible feeling so sending empathy um things that help me for sure it's like a baby are making sure my room is dark white noise um and those things are like when you're going to sleep, right? That's not letting go of the day. Some things that help me with the letting go of the day part, um, I discovered from Medical Medium, if any of you guys are familiar with him, lemon balm tea, really drinking that before bed. I think it's a combo of like the warm winding down drink combo with the lemon balm as an herb is helps you sleep. I don't know why. I don't know the science. Don't ask me. Um, that really helped me. And then also if I can get in a habit, I go through total waves of this where it's like we're just watching Netflix shows that we love and we're just watching TV and that's not as great before bed. But if I, I have been in routines where some nights we will read, like try to do like more creative journaling and then read before bed. And when I say creative journaling, it's less – I'm a planning journal person. I'm more of like a, what are my goals? What are my aff affirmations? And if I can do like a, just a mind dump journal before bed and then do reading, that also helps me like get out any, if it's more of like a mental anxiety that I have mm -hmm. built up. Mm -hmm. So those, those things have helped me before bed, but I don't have a specific routine. Mm -hmm. I um, want to say also that is, it's so hard. Sleep is so important. Oh, and I have dear friends who suffer from anxiety who say that that's, and I feel like actually for a lot of people when they suffer from depression also, it's like an, a cruel irony mm -hmm. that then sleep becomes difficult. Mm -hmm. um, and anyway, so what I'm saying is, yeah, that's, sleep is so important. And um, so I'm with you. Whatever you can do to help is so worth it. For me, um, I once read a book called Resucceed that the whole concept is like morning, miracle morning, but for nighttime. And I'm so inspired by it. I wish you could say I do it all the time. The closest I've ever gotten to it is Brendan Bruchard's um, book, The High Performance Planner. He actually has a bedtime routine. Mm -hmm. Like you actually take, it takes about five minutes and you actually just go throughout your day and you kind of like look at your day. When I do that, it really helps me feel like satisfied about my day. Totally. And the whole concept in the Resucceed book, I'll, I'll put a link to this, but the whole concept is that if we can go into bedtime with trust that like we don't have to be actively thinking about anything, yeah. but trust that <clears throat> if you believe in God or a higher power of any kind or your own subconscious, but the, like your subconscious can work through whatever it needs to while you rest. When I've changed my mindset to like sleep being a time where I have to think of things, like I'm thinking, I mean, for me, when I can't sleep is because my mind is just going crazy. Mm -hmm. And just switching the mindset of, this is a time my active mind doesn't need to think at all because my subconscious has it. Like yeah. it can totally work through whatever and problems can be solved mm -hmm. without me even trying. Mm -hmm. Like it's this beautiful, mm -hmm. that actually really helped my sleep. Just that simple piece of knowledge. Um, but then as for habits, uh, screens far away, blue blocker glasses. We have some, they're like red glasses. We'll put a link to them. We do too. They're totally they cheesy. So They're so ugly. ugly. 
But. And they make, if you watch shows, it makes it look black uh, and white or red and black, yeah. which is unfortunate. It is. But if you're having trouble sleeping, I think they're totally It might worth be worth it. to reset, yeah. too. Like, yeah. if I'm having trouble <clears throat> sleeping, I use them, and if I'm not, I don't, which probably isn't the best thing in the world. But. Me, too. Yeah, me, too. And then, obviously, um, this is totally simple, but every time I've ever read or listened to something about sleep, they always mention it. Mm-hmm. But um, caffeine, not after 2, no caffeine after 2 p.m. And Felicia and I were talking, we both don't... Uh, we're not really caffeine people, but, um, but if I ever feel like I need some, that usually just means I need to meditate or take a nap at totally. 2 p.m. instead. Yes. yes. Or for me, it's usually like one. Start there. Yeah. Um, but that's mm-hmm. usually probably what your body's asking for. Mm-hmm. And then for me, the biggest thing for sleep, I know it sounds silly, but from, I, this isn't a bedtime routine. It's a morning routine. But when I meditate in the morning, I sleep so much better at night. And yeah. I know that's so weird. And there's plenty of studies out there to back it up, but. It's, like, directly correlated. So, again, bedtime routine for me is, I mean, we all do the things we have to do, right? Put the kids to bed. Mm-hmm. For me, wash my face. Right. But then those little things when I'm having struggle sleeping, uh, screens far away, blue blocker glasses, make sure there's no caffeine in my body, go back to, am I meditating in the morning? I have heard some people say that they meditate at night and it helps them. I've I find myself too. a little too <clears throat> energized after meditating, so I don't. I also find I focusing on my breath, I think could mm-hmm. be helpful. Yeah. Breath. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that has really helped me as a parent, because I saw a shift in my sleep, obviously from babies, but then also just from being a mom and being, I think you're 10% turned on in the middle of the night yeah. to your kids. Yep. And I, that's just how we are. But if I'm having a cycle where I'm, not getting enough sleep, it compounds on itself, uh-huh. and then all your sleep is worse. And I will just ask Parker, and if I can just even say, like, okay, tonight I'm off. Like, can you be uh-huh. the first one on? Which is helping him be more aware and me just know, I like, even if I hear a kid, I'm not going to be the one getting up. Somehow in my mind, it switches and helps me break out of that cycle of, so resp- like that, like almost yes. anxious, like responsiveness at night. Yeah. So I don't know. I Again, I don't know what your sleep thing is, but if it is like a baby responding thing, I've totally been there. And oh, yeah. so that might help. And it is so hard when you have baby. I mean, when you oh, have babies waking yeah. up in the night, what do you do? That's so, it's hard. so true. Something I do want to clarify there is when I say I don't do a full, med- like my meditation I do in the morning is like designed to, it energizes me. Like I imagine right. pulling in energy and you know, love, and I'm just feeling, like, kind of buzzed by the time it's over. Like, I'm feeling like, ooh, yeah, I'm ready mm-hmm. for the day. Like, when I say buzz, like, you know, like, your skin's kind of tingling. Like, mm-hmm. I love, I feel really energized. But at night, I have, I have done this in bed, and this is so helpful for me. I will lay in bed if I'm having trouble sleeping, and I'll just say to myself in and out. Like, so I'm, I'm literally just focusing on my breath. I've also done where I start at the top of my head and try to go down, but usually my mind wanders. It's like not enough to hold my attention somehow. Yeah. So just the saying in and out, in and out, or sometimes I'll say thank you, just like as a little mantra, like thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. And that helps. It's enough for me to concentrate on and then I just fade away into sleep. Mm-hmm. One last tip that <laughs> I have a friend with like, insomnia that she's had like she's like I mean since she was a little girl Mm. couldn't sleep well and her like magic trick and I've tried this a few times and wow it was really great but she just puts in like and I have these little sleep earbuds Mm -hmm. and then you set put your phone on airplane mode so you don't have like wi-fi going through your brain or whatever but um (laughs) and then she listens to something but the key is you have to listen to and you put it on a sleep timer Mm -hmm. but the key is you have to listen to something that's not too engaging like Harry Potter, if you mm-hmm. like it, like I do. Um, but something that holds your brain enough. So for her, like War and Peace by mm. Tolstoy or, you know, something like that mm. she can listen to. For me, I you guys know I love Eckhart Tolle so much. So I'm not saying this is an insult to him because I His love him. His voice is just so soothing. His voice <laughs> is so soothing, though. And what he's talking about makes you feel so, like, safe mm-hmm. and that there's been a few times where I'm really having trouble sleeping that I put in really soft ear. Buds, and I put a half an hour sleep timer, and he just like lulls me into oh. being present. And his and talk accent. about sub- great subconscious messaging. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and another thing. Okay, wow. I'm just having all these things come to my mind now. I also I'll put a link to this. There's an iTunes track uh, by Kelly Howell. She oh. uses Byernal Beats. 
I love that like, one. Like, she uses the actual, like, brain waves. Yep. They're delta brain waves going into your brain. You can use, like, and I'll even put my Deep favorite. Wave. Yeah. Deep okay, wave? there's that. No, well, like there's that. This one is specifically, it's like a meditation for bedtime. Mm. So she's putting delta waves into your brain through the ear. And I'll even link my earbuds that I like to sleep in when I'm having trouble sleeping. But, like, it literally, like, it's made to listen to as you go to sleep. So there's just, like, this soothing voice saying things like, you know, you know, the world is a safe place. Mm-hmm. You can create I really... whatever you want to create in your life. So you're, like, programming yeah, your subconscious yeah. as you fade away. But anyway, so those are some tips. I would say always start with the easy stuff, the low-hanging right. fruit. Meditating right. in the morning, no caffeine after afternoon. Having a little routine at bed. I love a lemon balm idea. I have I do lemon balm tea with Mary Ruth's bedtime multivitamins. Mm-hmm. What I remember, but I'm really I know. not that great at it. It's hard to but make I a habit. But I love mm-hmm. the idea of being a routine. Yeah. If I can't <laughs> sleep, I'm like I need my lemon balm. Yeah. But uh, then move on to yeah. I think focusing on your breath, mm-hmm. and then that's also a really low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. But after that, finding something you can listen to that's mm-hmm. just kind of like puts you in a positive state. Like you're not going to want to totally. listen to an apocalypse book before bed. But. <laughs> okay, and one more tangent, because Lemon Ball make me think of this, because I went down that path when I was having um, hormonal, like, kind of, like, shifts going on with my miscarriage, all this. Anyways, so there could be, so for me, once I, lo- you know, I had blood testing and stuff, and there ended up being supplements, I won't even go into any of them, that really really helped me get back to like a good hormonal balance because hormones throw off our sleep like crazy so if it's feeling like that maybe look into that path obviously we're not doctors and we have no but that was a huge piece of it for for me was I was doing all of these things that they say and my hormones are just crazy off so mm-hmm. putting that out there yeah that's a, that's so good. Hormones make such a difference. Wow. So far yeah. off. Yeah. Having professional help is so yeah. great. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Well, our second question, this is going to be a really fast one, um, but we get questions like this a lot. Uh, this. Also from Mary. Oh, also from Mary. <clears throat> great. Okay. She said, I was at the park with my two and a half year old son and he was trying to go down a slide. An older boy, maybe around six, was sitting and blocking the bottom of the slide. I was so proud of my son for using his words and asking the kid to move so he could come down, even yelling please at one point. The kid never moved, and my son eventually moved on to go down a different slide after a couple of minutes. I didn't step in to intervene, but really wanted to because the boy was being rude. What are your thoughts on intervening with something like this in a park playground situation when the mom of the other child is seemingly nowhere nearby? And I would say even if she is nearby, it doesn't change my answer here. But would you say something to the child, and if so, what... Any advice would be appreciated. Yeah, I love this question because I feel like it encompasses so many situations that we see with our kids, especially at parks. And my default and my answer to this question is I think you did exactly what I would do. I wouldn't have said anything to the boy. Um, And I think my default would definitely be just to not make it into any sort of a thing. It sounds like your kid decided it was fine that he didn't want to go down the slide and by if I think if you were to go over and say something and make it a huge deal or not even a huge deal but if you were to acknowledge the situation then perhaps your kid would feel like oh did I like should I have done something different or he maybe would see you getting fresh like I think there's just it would have gotten messy And so I think I would have just totally not intervened exactly like you did. Mm -hmm. But I get that feeling as a mom where there's situations where you're just like, oh, like you want to step in. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, unless kids are hurting each other, I like to default to see what they just figure out Mm -hmm. because I think it teaches them. Mm -hmm. They they learn to figure out situations. You're not going to be there all the time. So Yeah, I would say the same thing. And the only thing I would add to that is – that the beauty of this situation is it's such a safe situation. You're still there. Totally. You can see things. And your child is learning great problem-solving stuff. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they're going to come across people who aren't doing what they want them to do. And how are they going to deal with it? There's a lot of different ways that can look. Mm-hmm. And just kind of navigating it, figuring mm-hmm. it out for themselves, I think is so helpful. I think so, too. And it is not the last time 
figuratively exactly. somebody's not going to move when they want them to move. Exactly. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and there's a lot of different options. I'm not even saying what the son did is good or bad. I'm just saying right. like he found a way to solve it. Right. And I think that's awesome. The benefit of you being able to see it is, um, the only, is if you're ever feeling like your kid's not feeling safe, I think your presence can always help. So in this situation, I think how you did it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And again, if you're ever feeling like, oh, it looks like there's going to be a physical altercation here, then yeah, I would walk over so my so my son feels safer. Totally. But that it looked like a, I mean, how cool your son saw that you trusted him to figure mm-hmm. to use the tools that he has, and he figured it out himself in yep. in a way. Yeah. And so I think that that kind of trust means is really helpful for kids as they grow. Mm-hmm. So well mm-hmm. done. Yeah. Well done, Mary. You're awesome. So great. Thank you for your question. All right, guys, we're going to take a little break and we have two, a few more questions coming up after the break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, this next question we have is from Rachel, and she says, uh, Terilyn, you mentioned that you have your kids memorize poetry. I love this. Can you share which pieces you use? So, Rachel, as I was, like, thinking of my answer to your question, trying to keep it concise, since this is just kind of like a throwing out a bunch of answers in this episode, I'm going to do a full, full episode about literature and how to incorporate it with our kids on a full episode later. So, just as, like, a little, as a quick answer... Oh my gosh, like, as, seriously, as I was brainstorming, Rachel, I, I mean, I have like a hundred, like I'm getting like myself all geeked out about this. It's, this is one of my true <laughs> loves in life. So, um, so I'll just give you my three that are short that we will include in our email list. If you go to our website, which is, uh, findthemagic.co, uh, and you can sign up for our email list. I'll actually have the words to these poems typed out, but they're short enough that these are my top three that we've memorized in the past maybe year or two, and all my kids can say them, and I love what they teach and what they mean. So um, the first one is by William Blake, and it's called Eternity, and I just had them memorize one stanza from it because it's my favorite stanza. And it is, He who binds to himself a joy does the winged life destroy. He who kisses the joys that flies lives in eternity's sunrise. And it's so beautiful to me because it's really deep. It's about... The idea of loving things without clinging onto them and trying to like crush them in your grasp, um, but simply enjoying joy as it comes in the moment, which we've talked about a lot. And I think as a parent, this poem literally has like come to me in times of foreboding joy. Like I'm loving my kid, seeing their cute face, and then all of a sudden I get hit with a bam, what if they get hit by a car tomorrow? that fear and I literally like William Blake's voice like that poem goes through my mind like I'm just gonna kiss this joy instead mm-hmm. of trying to cling onto it and have that foreboding feeling mm-hmm. I'm not gonna let it rob me of my joy now I'm just gonna kiss this joy like mm-hmm. and I picture like a butterfly mm-hmm. so it's been so, so the poem to me is so beautiful and helpful and I want those words to be in my kids uh, minds and hearts the other two aren't poetry but they are beautiful words for me I have an entire folder of beautiful words I want in my mind and the minds of my children one of the first ones I ever had my kids memorize was from Aristotle and it's uh we are what we repeatedly do excellence then is not an act but a habit and I think my my second daughter when she was like four it was her favorite one she'd say it all the time and it was so cute and to me it's just a beautiful kind of also mantra that's from Aristotle. So that's so cool to have. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. anytime you can have like a timeless person in your children's mind, it's so cool. I mean that they can quote Aristotle. I just love it. And then the other one I told you guys about, but also not a poem, but it's beautiful words. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi said that an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. And I've told you guys about the time when (laughs) (laughs) my brother-in-law said to his 
we were like, somebody was fighting and he's like, just hit him back. And my daughter was like, you know, she was like seven at the time. She's like, but an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. That's what Mahatma Gandhi said. And it was so cute because like kids, that one I love because like kids can see that Mm -hmm. in their daily lives. Totally. Somebody hits you and you want to hit them back. Right. (laughs) So I really just love the idea. And there's also one by Martin Luther King, you know, darkness. I I actually, ah, it's a while ago that we memorized it, but darkness cannot conquer darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot conquer Uh hate. Only love can do that. I we, might be getting we the did word that during conquer wrong, but in February, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a, but stuff like that where it's so good because there are literally are times in my life where I'm like, Ugh, that person is mad at me, and I want like I want to feed the fire right. with more anger. But I think what's the antidote to anger? It's not yeah. more anger. What's right. the antidote to darkness? It's not more darkness. Mm-hmm. So things like that. I know what, only one of those is an actual poem, mm-hmm. but. The concept of beautiful, timeless words that can go into our children's heart. Like, I mean, I could go on and on forever. But those are just my top. The ones that came to my mind when you were saying, what do I have? What are the pieces that I use for my kids? And I also have a lot of great, actual, like, literary, timeless, classic pieces that I will go into later. Um, But those are are probably my top. I just have to, you know, off the top of my head. Those are my very favorite. That, yeah, we have to do that episode because I think it... And when I say we, Terrilyn, we'll do it. <laughs> I What I love, so my favorite resource for finding if you are, like, what should I, you know, have, read to my kids or have them memorize whatever route you're going down. I love Read Aloud Revivals. Um, we will link her, fir- like, first introduction to poetry um, books. They're really good. And I feel like because there is so much out there. I think it's a good, just like classic starting point. The thing I love about poetry with my kids is I feel like kids are more drawn towards concrete stories, which it's, I love, I mean, that's just kids, right? But I feel like when I read poetry to my boys and have them kind of flesh it out and talk about it with me, I see their abstract thinking skills really light up, like, oh, spring is connected to new life and growth and, you know what I mean? It, like, they're abstract thinking. And metaphor. Right. Even right. little kids, it's so cool to see their brain reaching for that concept. Right. Because their yeah. brains don't. No, they go straight concrete usually. Yeah. And yeah. so it's cute to watch their brains try to reach mm-hmm. for it. And then when mm-hmm. you see it start to click, like as my kids get older, mm-hmm. they've been learning about metaphor. Mm-hmm. But then as they get older and it actually clicks, it's, like, magical it's like, to oh, see. Yeah. They get what a metaphor is. Mm-hmm. And I and I love watching, say, for example, when my 11-year-old's talking about metaphor, watching my 3-year-old look at her because we're having a conversation. And you can tell to him, he's like, I want to be a part of that. Right. <laughs> I don't get it, but mm-hmm. I want to be a part of that. And I think that mm-hmm. reaching is a really beautiful space. Mm-hmm. And exercising just that creative side of their brain. I love watching kids do that. So I love that question. Okay, so next part, also from Rachel, she's asking you both mention affirmations. Um, Can you share exactly what you use and say and how often? So um, I'm taking this as she's asking our affirmations with our kids. Um, Because we have personal affirmations too. Yeah. But they're less fun. Less concrete, yeah, and less fun. (laughs) So, (laughs) So for us, we do our affirmations at bedtime. And this started with just my bedtime routine with my babies. I would say it to them. And then it grows into now they, now we say it all together. And all we do all the same ones for all our boys. And it's, we, we say all together. I'm strong. I'm kind. I'm brave. I'm loving. I'm spiritual. I'm important. And I'm the best brother. And we just say it all together. That's ours. It's pretty I love simple. That. That's so cute. So I, <laughs> mine's a little more uh, complicated, <laughs> but I love it. So I'm just going to share some of it. Um, and that is, we do two different kinds of affirmations in my house. So in the morning when we do our little baby, tiny kid miracle morning before they go to school or before we start school, we do it. It was my husband's idea and I kind of loved it. We literally, the affirmations part of our miracle morning. So again, we probably take, I mean, it's like seven minutes total for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But um, 
we actually like do power poses and go around the circle and we say, I choose to be whatever today. Mm. I choose to be strong today. I choose to be smart today. I choose to be creative today. But you have to choose a power pose. So, you know, like you can't see me right now, but like a superhero, like fist in the air, hand on your hip or like both hands on your hip or flexing your muscles or whatever. Because we'd seen some TED talk about power poses and it inspired us years ago. (laughs) So anyway, but... For me, with adults, I feel really cheesy, but it's with me and my kids. My kids think it's awesome. <laughs> so they all choose. I'm, I choose to be this today. And apparently those words specifically, the reason why I had that is because how one uh, professional explained it to me was, she was like, it's like you're sidestepping your ego when you say I choose to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or not, but it feels good to me, mm-hmm. so I use it. Anyway, so that's just a quick thing we do in the morning. But then at night when I sing them, their, they call it their lullaby. And I, I've sang it to them since they were babies. Um, how I came up with these words is I literally just like wrote down all the words I wanted them to internalize deep inside themselves. And then I just put those words to the tune of Amazing Grace because I love Amazing Grace. And I sing the words to them. So like you are this, and I do them in sets of three. So you are smart, kind, and loving. And I just sing it like that. But it's a whole song, so I'm not going to like sing it for you today, and it probably bore you to hear all the words I've come up with. But it's cute because even like as my babies get older, they'll start singing it with me. Now none of them sing it; they just like me to tickle their backs as I. So that's our thing: is we, they lay down, and I just take turns. However many kids are in the room at that time, I just take turns tickling their backs mm-hmm. as I sing them the song, and. But that's how I came up with it. And I think it's a valuable exercise for you to sit down and like write totally. what is it that, What's what are important? the words you want them to internalize deep inside of themselves? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it that they're loving? Is it that mm-hmm. they can overcome anything? What, whatever mm-hmm. the things mm-hmm. are, write down what's important to you. And then you can either say them if it's short enough. Like I love the Felicia's is short enough. Oh, frankly, I have a tendency to be extra wordy. So it probably like I had to put mine to music mm-hmm. for it to even like <laughs> be able to get through the whole thing. But whatever works for you, I think is awesome. And my favorite part of our whole affirmations, and I've shared this with you guys before, but at the very end, every time, my last statement is, I love you and God loves you. You live a long, healthy life because I want, that's my vision for them. And you always use your power for good. Like I want them to know that they have power. We all have power mm-hmm. because we're human beings and we influence each other. And I want them to grow up always knowing that they can use it for good or bad and well sometimes do a little bit of both but that you really for the most part like you're always using it for Mm -hmm. good Mm -hmm. so that's Mm -hmm. my favorite part of my affirmations just Mm -hmm. that last part I want them to feel loved by me and by God and that they do they use their power for good I want Mm -hmm. them I want that to be like part of their character that they see themselves as a person with power who can influence the world mm-hmm. to be better. Mm-hmm. You know? I love that. And also in part, part of Rachel's question was this touch on, you know, how, how are you creating a home where your kids feel um, like they're responsible and that, and that they have value. And we, we've been wanting to do an episode um, about this. And so we just had to take it out because it's, It's way, like, we have to do a whole episode about figuring out the values that you want to have in your home and helping, helping create that environment of responsibility and all these things. So, Rachel, just so you know, we have too many answers to that part of your question (laughs) that we want to go into. So, on a future episode. But thank you, thank you. That was so good. And then the last part of her question was asking um so I've shared with you guys a little bit from a book that I've been working on writing you know two years two years deep in having babies from starting it but I am still working on it on and off um and she said I thought it was interesting how you mentioned as a child feeling like your mother needed you obviously this wasn't a good feeling for you I'd love to hear more about this type of feeling and how we can be aware of it in our parenting. I feel like I grew up similarly from the little I know about your story and I don't want to put those feelings onto my children. Um, and I think, I don't know if I have a researched non-emotional answer to this question, but I try to be very aware of this with my kids 
just, just in my awareness. So not that I do not, you know, my actions probably are a result of that, but just the feeling that, um, you know, trying not to make them feel as if, you know, I'm, I'm working on this because of you or, you know, I have to clean up this. All I do is clean because of you guys or, you know, I'm trying to think of good examples of that feeling that heavy weight that can be put on kids. Maybe guilt is the right, I, I don't really know, just that heaviness that can be put on kids that I did feel in my own childhood that um, if I chose to do things that were only for me, then that would negatively affect my family life or my mom or that she, I try to um, be in control and independent of my things and not put that weight on them, which doesn't mean that they just don't have responsibility and do whatever they want. It's like a different because what we it's do does feeling. impact each other. Exactly. But you're you're saying though that you let me make sure I understand what you're saying. Are you saying that there was a difference for you as a child feeling like you couldn't even share what you were going through because it would be overly burdening? Right. Because right. your mom couldn't take she couldn't handle her tank wasn't full. Than, yeah, on her own. Yeah, accord. And yeah. if you weren't strong and almost perfect, mm -hmm. then you would somehow be crippling her. Right, right. And our and being too big of a burden on the family if I needed yeah. help or if I was vulnerable or, you know, all of those kinds of things. Mm. And I think that's just an awareness. I honestly don't have a strong like do this and then they won't feel that. But I think I think we all get tinges of that from people in our life that mm -hmm. heavy need that other yeah. people have the for us to fill. The bottomless pit of need. Yeah. So, so, and maybe it's starting there, making sure your, and we talk about this all the time, but <clears throat> your, your needs are met. You're holding those boundaries so you can make sure you, you are full and your, your needs are filled from yourself instead of, you know, I think there is that tendency in motherhood to, if my child succeeds, then I'll be happy or if my child is successful, then I'm successful. We've talked about that a little bit. And I think as much as you can remove that from, you know, how they even behave at the playground or school, their performance there, it really, you know, we do our very best, but then at, at some point they're their own independent person. And I think recognizing that might be helpful, but. Yeah. And it sounds like this is kind of coming back to the concept of wholeness, right? Totally. Yeah. You can be whole yourself and recognize that your emotions and your feelings are your own because what we do does affect each other no totally. doubt however it's empowering to realize that when I feel frustrated it is my emotion mm -hmm. and it isn't like I actually do get a choose like I can choose what I do with that emotion I don't have to blame or guilt mm -hmm. or anything mm -hmm. like that I can simply choose to process my emotions because mm -hmm. we've all had situations where one time they do something, it frustrates us, and the other time it's fine. Totally. So I think realizing that we are responsible for our own emotions helps teach our kids that they are also responsible for theirs. Mm -hmm. And it starts, I think, with filling the bucket of wholeness. Yep, I agree. So that there's not that need hanging there. Yes. Of, I am not complete without you. Right. And if you, you know, that, cause that's so much for kids to have to carry. Right, exactly. That's a really deep question. I mean, I have to like I know. think more, but yeah. I, I think you're right. I think. Yeah, I loved that question. And again, I I feel the emotional side of it, but I, I don't, I have to for myself flesh out what those things are mm -hmm. every day Yeah. to be aware of that. Yeah. So thank you. That was a really good question. <clears throat> okay, All right. Well, our, our last question is a really straightforward question <laughs> and it's just about a specific situation. Uh, this from Scully. Yes, it's a name. It's like a. It's her Instagram Instagram handle. handle so mm -hmm. I don't know what her actual name mm -hmm. is, but Scully Cha. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Mandy is her name. Oh, awesome! There you go. It's we are having issues with the boys constantly turning on the water hose or spout. I've tried giving them a squirt bottle, filling the water table, filling buckets, 
Yet they continue to turn it on. My three-year-old understands when I ask him not to turn not to turn it on again. However, he doesn't always listen. What? <laughs> three-year-old not always listening. <laughs> My two-year-old uh, doesn't get it at all and doesn't care. Would you just keep bringing them inside when they do it? I hate to do that because outside this time is so good for all of us. I'm not always able to be out there with them. When, I'm, when I am, I stop it before it happens. It's turning into a real headache. Wondering what you would do to put an end to this. So I love this question because it's such a good example of kids at different age understand different mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. So I love it that you've tried to explain it. You've even, with action when you're there, just moved him away from it. That Kids totally understand action. But I can see your concern with this because when you have a water spout, especially right by your house, I mean, like if they turn it on without you being there, they can flood the house. So I can see why this is a concern for you. Um, my tip with that is I think you've done everything you can with action in a really great way. And it sounds like now it's just becoming a headache and a power struggle for you. Mm-hmm. Headache is your words. Power struggle, I would say, is probably there. It just sounds like it's becoming more than it needs to be. I think. Mm-hmm. So I would say to my kids, this is important to me for this reason. You've already done the action of taking them away. I would just put, they sell, I'll put a link to it, but they sell like they're just locks for hose bibs. Mm-hmm. And I would just simply for this season... Take away that that's not even a temptation for them. So you're not fighting with them over it. And then I try again next season. And I explain why we don't just turn it on randomly without you being there. It's mm-hmm. like a safety thing. And give them a chance to see if they do it. And with action, you know, take them away from it if they do. But if it becomes a headache again, I would just put on the... Like, just simply take the power struggle out of it. Because mm-hmm. as they get older, they will totally get it. Mm-hmm. But sounds like a two-year-old isn't even close to understanding it. Your three-year-old is flirting with the idea of understanding it, but Mm -hmm. maybe not there quite yet. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would do. Just take the power struggle out completely. And I also think it, um, when, and we all have these things that become things. We've had this power struggle in our house with my husband's tools. And when, once it becomes a thing, then, um, even if, for example, maybe your three-year-old does really understand, but it's like, oh, but I'm getting that reaction. I'm getting that reaction. I got to do it. You know, they they have that. They don't have impulse control. Let's be honest. And they, if we can remove that power struggle, sometimes that all that is all it takes as a reset, and then they, you know, they they have more of that mental capacity to then understand it later. Um, but I want to empathize. I do, when I was, when we were talking about this question, I do, um, know that feeling as a parent when you want to just say, you know, I'm giving you this freedom. There is this boundary and I want you to just be able to do what I say. I know that feeling as a parent is really frustrating. Um, and so I think if you can break that cycle, there will be, I think, especially with, um, as your kids get older and probably probably with your three-year-old pretty soon because you can tell that he understands what you're asking. Um, there will be a point at which he will, he'll get it and they'll start to grasp onto these kind of things. But I think, yeah, setting your boundary, setting that boundary physically, I think it will break that cycle, mm-hmm. I hope. Report yeah. back to us, but... And I think, say, if you if you do end up going with the, like, child lock for the bib, <laughs> just to make it not a power struggle, I think whenever you bring it back, I have found with my own kids, it's effective to say, so that they just know what the consequence is. Mm-hmm. So this is the thing. I love us using water, but mm-hmm. I have to, for safety reasons, be here anytime this hose bib is on. Mm-hmm. And I have to, like, you have to ask me and I have to say yes, whatever mm-hmm. your boundary is. Mm-hmm. Then for me, I'd say, and then, but if you still do it, then it'll go, then what say say it's next season mm-hmm. he's a little older mm-hmm. he gets it you're trying it out i'd say you know then the husband's going to go on for a whole the lock is going to go on for a whole month or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. but it's not a big deal like you're not mm-hmm. like punishing or like yes i'm so mad about this it's just yes. like my job is to keep you safe and so if you can't follow this rule then i'm just going to put the lock back on yes right i have found that successful i had the, almost like the same situation with my kids they'd open the door while i was driving in the car mm terribly dangerous right right like, literally terrifying so i turn on like they did it once i turn on the child lock and i was mm-hmm. like where you know so they can't even open the door ever right and they hated it mm-hmm. they're like oh my gosh this is the worst thing ever this is i think my son was three at the time mm-hmm. maybe four 
And I was just like, I don't even want this to be a thing. It's a safety thing. Right. They couldn't open the door for like a year. And then you're not mad. Exactly. Just, yeah. It just wasn't a thing. I just had to make sure yeah. I opened the door every time for him, which was kind of a pain. But then I remember when he was, again, probably a whole year later, he was asking, like, can we take that off? And I said, I'm like, I, I undid the child lock and I said, if you open it one time, mm-hmm. literally one time mm-hmm. while I'm sitting here in the driver's seat with the car on, for me yeah. it was if the car's on, yeah. right? I don't even have to be driving. It just, totally. the motor is running. Mm-hmm. If you open it, it's going, I have to turn the child lock back yeah. on because I care about your safety. And it wasn't like a, oh, I'm so mad. It was just literally right. like, a, I'll just turn it back on. It's fine. Right. And since then we've had to turn it on one other time and I just again left it on for like months and months right and it's not even it's it's great because it it just takes it away Mm -hmm. completely and for me when it's a matter of safety it's just yes like you clearly know the consequences and I can literally Mm -hmm. with no anger in my voice just put the screwdriver Mm -hmm. in and turn that lock and Mm -hmm. it's no big deal and it's not even a thing right and he can cry about it yeah and it's okay because anyway so I think Stan ruffled, whatever you do, you know, whatever of these methods you're going to choose, mm-hmm. just stand ruffled about it and be like, this is why you only have to say why once. You don't have to keep explaining yeah. it. Yeah. But they clearly know, you know, the lock is going to be on for a whole month. And, and whatever it is your thing, if it's, maybe it's safety, maybe it's just, it's annoying to you when they're spraying the whole house down with the, whatever it is, if it's causing frustration inside you. You're not going to be responding from a good place when you're trying to help them. So, like, get to a get to a place where you are in control of that boundary, and then maybe after a little time, it's a good time for teaching. And for my boys, kind of in the same vein, something that really helps is I will tell them. So, look at the situation. Who has who? Sh- you have the choice. You have the power. Like I will tell them that all the time. You have the choice. Are you going to turn on the hose and spray whatever the thing is, spray the window? Then it's going to be locked. But you have all the power in the situation. You can choose not to spray the window and then you get full control of the hose. Mm -hmm. I say that to them all the time because giving them that little bit of, oh, if I just make it, (laughs) if I just make this choice to not do this, etc., they feel, at least for my boys, it works. They feel... In control a little bit. Yeah. And if they don't, because they don't have great impulse control, mm-hmm. there's no shame in that. No. They just simply can't yeah. do that anymore. Yeah. You know? And it's no big deal. Yes. Yeah. So we will link those uh, hose regulators. I love that because I feel like you're keeping your hierarchy of, you still are the big person with the most power. Right. But you're giving them age-appropriate power, which age-appropriate feels great yeah. for them too. Yeah. You know? I love yeah. that. Connects somehow. Everybody wants some power. I know. You know? It's, so <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Too much is not good, (laughs) but a little bit. We all need a little. Meet the hand, right? Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, thank you for your questions. Um, Feel free. Yes, we love your reviews. They're so helpful, and we do keep a list of all your review questions. Whenever Mm -hmm. you put a question in there, Mm -hmm. just so you know, we like have a place where we keep them. Yes, so keep them coming. I love listener questions. Personally, they're one of my favorite episodes to do. All right, guys. Let's find the magic. Brown cows.